श्रीमती तुलसी महारानी की नमो नमः तुलसी कृष्ण प्रयासी
विष्णु भक्ति प्रदे देवी सत्यवस्ते नमो नम वृंदाए तुलसी देवई प्रियाय केशव विष्णु भक्ति प्रदे देवी सत्यवक्त नमो नम श्रीमती तुलसी महारानी की So welcome to Iskon Perth. Um, who over here are coming for the first time? Can you raise your hands, please. Welcome. No. Welcome to Iskon Perth. We're coming for the first time. Thank you, everyone else as well. So. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to come here and get to know you all. Although I have been coming to Australia since 1980, but I haven't been fortunate enough to come to Perth before, and I'm very happy to be here. And uh, I heard a lot of very nice things about this temple, and I also many of you in other parts of. World, especially in my opinion. Thank you. Anyway, I'm very happy to be here. So we can start with Lukita, maybe.
नमस्ते सरस्वती देवी गौरवानी प्रचारिणेषेष
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare brought one Iranian lady, the devotees were talking to her and they found her to be very, <coughs> very inquisitive and quite receptive. So they thought that, that, that I 
should also speak to her. <coughs> and so in course of our discussion, I found her to be very, very, very intelligent and a very receptive person. And so then I told her about Bhagavad Gita, so our devotee brought the Bhagavad Gita. So she asked me, what is that about? So I told her, this is the book that contains the words and instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then I told her that uh, she could open any page. And she just opened the page to one particular verse. I asked her to read it. She read it. And she herself exclaimed, it makes such a sense. <laughs> and that is what Bhagavad Gita is. You can open any page and you'll find an ocean of wisdom. So I thought I'll just do that since the Bhagavad Gita was placed right in front of me. <clears throat> So, uh, okay, open to a very nice verse. So, before we, I go into that verse, I just briefly read that. This open to chapter 9, text 2 <laughs> Raja Vidya, Raja Guijam, Pavitram, Ilamuttamam. Pratyaksha abhagamam dharmam susukham kartamapayam. So it's very clearly mentioning what Bhagavad Gita is. So Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Narayanam Namaskritya Naranchaiva Naruttamam Naranchaiva Naruttamam Devim Sarasati Vyasam Devim Sarasati Vyasam Tato Jaya Mudiray Raja Vidya, Raja Guiham, Pavitram, Idam, Uttamam, Prataksha, Avagamam, Dharmam, Susukham, Kartum, Abhayam. Raja Vidya, Raja Guiham, Pavitram Midam Uttamam Pratakshava Gaman Dharmam Susukham Kartum Abhayam Raja Vidya Raja Guiham Pavitram Midam Uttamam Pratakshava Gaman Dharmam Sukham Kartum Abhayam. 
very good. Although there was no, no the verse was not written, you have, you all have recited so, repeated so nicely. So it seems that all of you know this verse. <laughs> How many of you know this verse? Very good. How many of you want to remember, memorize this verse? Only so few. <laughs> what about everyone else? Actually, for memorizing, there's a technique. Should we try the technique? Yes. <clears throat> the first thing, there are a few steps. The first is, actually, it is good to see every single word and its meaning. So, the first word is Raja Vidya. Raja means king and Vidya means so, Raja Vidya means king of knowledge. The king of Prabhupada translated as the king of education. All the educations are ultimately culminating into this wisdom. Raja Guiham, Raja means again, everyone knows that Raja, Maharaja. Raja Guiham, Guiham means very confidential. This is the king of knowledge, king of education, and this education, this knowledge is extremely confidential. If something is very precious, do you expose it to everyone? No. Something that is very precious, you preserve it at a very secret place. So this knowledge, therefore, was kept as a great secret, Rajukvikam. And Pavitram. Pavitram means? Pure, pure, and idam, the Sanskrit word idam means this, uttamam, uttamam is very good, highest, but here Prabhupada translated that as transcendental. This is transcendental, transcendental means beyond material nature. This knowledge is not about myth. This knowledge is not on the platform of material domain. It is beyond material nature. This knowledge is about the spiritual reality. Uttamam. Therefore, it is Uttamam, the highest. And not only highest, it is beyond this material nature. Therefore, this is transcendental. Transcendental knowledge. Pavitram idam uttamam. <clears throat> and Pratyaksha means Pratyaksha it's a little tough one Pratyaksha means direct perception direct perception direct experience Pratyaksha Avagamam Avagamam means understood and Dharmam the principle of religion this knowledge is actually revealing the real religion, the principle of religion, the purpose of religion. In today's world, what's going on in the name of religion, is it really religion? Like, people don't have any understanding of what religion is. But this is giving us the proper understanding what real religion is. What is real religion? What is real religion? 
the religion, real religion is understanding the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the way to approach Him. That is what religion is. In essence, all religions speak about God. God means the Supreme Personality of God. Not this God, that God, demigod, this God, and demigod, semigod, and all kinds of things. Like God is one without a second. In Sanskrit, that expression is very clear. Bhagavan. But, in English, but there are many other considerations also. Like we get to hear Greek gods and goddesses. Didn't we get that? In our concept also, in Hindu concept also, we have demigods. But actually in India also people think that in Hindu religion is pantheistic religion. Hindu religion believes in many gods. But that's a total misconception. Hindu religion doesn't believe in many gods. Hindu religion is monotheistic religion. But the problem is that there are two considerations, Bhagavan and Devtal. <coughs> Therefore, Prabhupada very, very precisely uh, translated that demigod concept, uh, the Devtas, he put them in the category of demigods. They are not God. Uh, they are demigods. They are actually the controllers of different affairs of the universe. Uh, just as in a city, there are different departments. In the government, there are different departments. The department of finance, the department of uh, war, the department of education, etc. Similarly, in the universal affair, there are different departments. There, uh, the department of uh, air, the department of water, <coughs> department of fire, department of rain. So these are different departments and those who are actually heading those departments, they are called Devas and Devis. The male are Devta, Devas, and the female are Devas. Like who is the controller of wind department? Pavan, Dev. Who is the controller of fire department? Agni, Dev. Who is the controller of the water department? Varun Dev. Who is the controller of rain department? Indra Dev. Who is the controller of education department? Saraswati Devi. Who is the controller of the finance department? Lakshmi Devi. So these Devas and Devis, they are actually the controllers of different departments of the universe. And there are innumerable universes and each universe has these sets of devas and devis. But there is one supreme personality who created everything and who is maintaining everything. He is the supreme. Supreme. Can the supreme be more than one? Can the supreme be plural? No, supreme is a singular matter. Therefore, when you speak about that supreme personality, can he be more than one? No. So that supreme personality of Godhead is Bhagavan. He is not 
am in charge of certain department of an universe, but he is the creator of all the universe. He is the maintainer of all the universe. So, <clears throat> so that supreme that knowledge about the supreme personality of Godhead is presented by himself or by his representatives. And that is called dharma. That dharma is called sanatan dharma. The real dharma is sanatan. Sanatan means eternal. This religion is this occupation, this uh, uh, involvement is not a temporary uh, involvement. It is an eternal involvement. It's an eternal engagement. Another way to look at it is this is the dharma of the soul. Now since the soul is eternal, the dharma of the soul is eternal. So Bhagavad Gita is speaking about that dharma. And what is that dharma? We all know at the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is giving a very simple instruction. Sarva dharman. Krishna is talking about dharma, now he is talking about give up all dharma. <laughs> In one hand he says, dharma sanstapanathaya, I come to establish dharma, and now he is saying, give up all your dharma. Why is that? Because Krishna is pointing out, what goes on in the name of dharma is not actually dharma. The real dharma is to surrender unto me. And when you surrender unto me, then all your problems will be solved. And that is Krishna's assurance. So that is being presented in this Bhagavad Gita. Pratyaksha avagamam dharmam. This principle of religion can be directly perceived. And susukham, what happens when you follow, when you pursue this conviction? Susukham. Our life becomes philosophical. And kortum means to execute a bayam everlasting. So we got the meaning for the words. Very good. I can see that you all have brilliant memories. So then the next step, after you understood the meanings of the words, the next step is repetition. So let us repeat. Raja Vidya. Okay, there's a way to repeat. I will say it once, and you have to take the trouble of saying it three times. <laughs> so Raja Vidya. Raja Guiham. Raja Vidya. Raja Guiham. Pavitram, 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 Idam, 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 Uttamam, 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 Pavitram, Idam, Uttamam, Pavitram, Idam, Uttamam, Pavitram, Idam, Uttamam, Pavitram, Idam, Uttamam, Pratyaksha, 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 Avagamam, 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 Dharmam, 
प्रत्यक्षावगमन धर्म So now, the next one is, try to remember the first word of each line. What is the first word of the first line? Does the rest of the line count? Those who know the line don't say yes. <laughs> Those who are learning for the first time today, how many of you remember that? Very good, say it. Very good. See, the first, you got the first word and the rest of the line will come because you have repeated it. The purpose of repetition is that, to recollect. And first or the second line? Okay, anyone from this side? The, who remember the rest of the line? Pavitram. Very good, Mataji, say it. Oh, you know that verse already. <laughs> Anyone? Yes? Very good. Very good. The way you said it, it became clear then. Pavitra idam uttamam. Raja vidya, Raja vujha, Pavitra idam uttamam. And then the first word of the third line? Okay. Pratyaksha. Who can get the rest of the line? Here on this side? You know it already. <laughs> okay, thank you for helping us. Pratyakshavagaman dharma. And what is the first word of the fourth line? Very good. And who can? This Yes, Mataji? Very good. Susukam Kartum Abhayam. So, how long did it take us? Didn't you almost get it? So, the next, so the thing is, the important things are understand the meaning of the word because that will help us to memorize what is the meaning of the verse. Then, repetition, and after repetition, try to remember the first line, first word of the each line. And that way, it will come quite easily to our memory. And then the next step is, you write it in a piece of paper. And during the course of the day, try to memorize it, remember it. And if you get stuck, pull out the paper and look at it. If you are practicing this way for a few times, you will see. And the last stage is actually very interesting. You can give your own tune to the verse and sing that verse. So, <clears throat> and this this particular verse is very important. Therefore, please make it a point to memorize it. Will you make it a point to memorize it? Or you already know it? You don't know it. Very good. So, <clears throat> the translation of this verse is, this knowledge is the king of education 
the most secret of all secrets. It is the purest knowledge and because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, it is the perfection of religion. It is everlasting and it is joyfully performed. When you practice Krishna consciousness, does it become difficult? Like sometimes it may become difficult, like on the Ekadasi days when you <laughs> But in Iskon, Ekadasi days are actually the days of feasting. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Prabhupada said that in Krishna consciousness there is no hardship. It's all very, very joyfully executed. Like what do we do in Krishna consciousness? We sing. Is there anyone who doesn't like to sing? We dance. Isn't dance is an expression of joy? Then we honor Krishna Prashant. So we sing and dance and eat the most delicious food. So what can be more joyful than this program? And then on top of that, we have the opportunity to associate with the best people in this world. Who are the best people? Yes, devotees of the Lord. Why? Because they are all compassionate to other people. Very good. Because they are compassionate towards others. Isn't that an indication of a good person? One who is compassionate, who is benevolent, who is always thinking of others' benefits, or those who are selfish and miserly. <coughs> In today's world, the world is full of selfish individuals, envious of everyone's prosperity. And whatever they have, they don't want to share it with anybody. But in this world, when you come across people, those who are totally selfless, those who are simply concerned about others' benefits, won't it be wonderful to associate with them? In this world today, everyone is trying to exploit you. But then you come across some people, those who want to speak of exploiting you, they actually want to serve you. Doesn't it make a big difference? So that is the most exciting part of Krishna consciousness movement. It's enabling us to associate with the best people in the They are so good, they are so exalted that they have realized the futility of this materialistic way of life and the, they have found the goal to be becoming situated in their spiritual identity and benefiting others by also giving them the information about the spiritual reality. So I'll repeat, so please repeat the translation after me. This knowledge is the king of education. This knowledge is the king of education. The most secret of all secrets. The most secret of all secrets. It is the purest knowledge. And because it gives direct perception of the self by realization. It is the perfection of religion. It is everlasting. And it is joyfully performed. And it is joyfully performed. 
So this has quite a long purport. So what I'll do is, I'll just read the... So that shows how important this verse is. Prabhupada gave such an elaborate purport to that. So <clears throat> this chapter of Bhagavad Gita is called the King of Education because it is the essence of all doctrines and philosophies explained before. Among the principal philosophers in India are Gautama, Konad, Kopila, Jagavalka, Sandilda, and Vaishanara. And finally there is Vaisdev, the author of the Vedanta Sutra. So there is no dearth of knowledge in the field of philosophy or transcendental knowledge. Now the Lord says that this ninth chapter is the king of all such knowledge. The essence of all knowledge that can be derived from the study of the Vedas and different kinds of philosophy. It is the most confidential because confidential or transcendental knowledge is knowledge evolves, understanding the difference between the soul and the body. And the king of all confidential knowledge culminates in devotional service. So, in the first paragraph only, Prabhupada gives the essence of this, this verse. The, this is Bhagavad Gita, the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita is actually the king of knowledge. Bhagavad Gita is the essence of the Vedic wisdom. Actually, the Vedic wisdom flows in two specific streams. One stream is called Upanishad and the other stream is called Puran. And the essence of the Upanishad stream is Bhagavad Gita. And the essence of Puran stream is Srimad Bhagavad. Upanishad, what is the definition of Upanishad? Upanishad means the knowledge that has been acquired by sitting close to a self-realized soul. The knowledge that we receive sitting at the feet of a teacher, that comes in the category of Upanishad. And Purans are descriptions of the activities of the Lord and the instructions of the Lord and the activities of the devotees of the Lord. So these are the two categories. Now in the Upanishad category, like as I was saying, why Bhagavad Gita should be considered as Upanishad? The definition of Upanishad is the knowledge that is received sitting at the feet of a teacher. Now here we consider, let's consider Bhagavad Gita, what's happening? Arjuna is receiving the knowledge sitting at the lotus feet of Krishna. Krishna is directly imparting the knowledge to Krishna, to Arjuna. Therefore it is in the category of Upanishad. And it has been further described in Gita Mahatmya when the glories of Bhagavad Gita has been described by Vaisdev, he actually made this point. Sarva Upanishad Gabu. All the Upanishads have been compared to a cow. And Dogdha Gopalanandana. The cowherd by Krishna milked that cow. <clears throat> Why does the cow give milk? For the sake of a calf. So here, Upanishad are a cow and 
Who is the calf? Arjun. And who is milking that cow? Krishna, the cowherd boy. The transcendental cowherd boy. And what is the milk? The milk is the wisdom of Bhagavad Gita. Now, the cow gives the milk for the sake of the calf. But who drinks the milk? Does the calf drink all the milk? No, human beings drink them. Similarly, although Krishna is giving this Bhagavad Gita, or rather this extracted this wisdom of Bhagavad Gita from the Upanishads for the sake of Arjuna, or making Arjuna as a means, but Dugdham Gitam Ritam Mahat. Those who are truly intelligent, they drink that. This Wisdom of Bhagavad Gita is meant for the truly intelligent person. Sarva Upanishadu Gabo Dogta Gopala Nandana Batsa Partha Sudhir Bhokta Sudhi Thi means intelligence and Su means very beautiful or advanced. Individuals with advanced and beautiful intelligence they drink this milk Like, in this respect, another example can be considered. Like, there are different types of birds. There are two birds that look quite alike. One is a cuckoo, and the other is a crow. What does the crow eat? Garbage. And what do the cuckoos eat? the most delicious foods. So in the human society also we find people, those who are like cuckoos and those who are like crows. Now, the, the literatures like Bhagavad Gita will be relished by individuals who are with very advanced intelligence. That means those who are not really interested I won't say not interested because devotees are interested about the material nature also because they want to benefit the material nature by imparting the knowledge. They have their interest, but the main interest is spiritual advancement. Those who are concerned about their ultimate benefit, ultimate welfare, they will read, they will study Bhagavad Gita. And by studying Bhagavad Gita, they will derive the ultimate benefit. So, uh, in this way, we see that, uh, that Bhagavad Gita is containing the essence of the Vedic Master. Who can be a greater teacher than the Supreme Personality of God Himself? And when He Himself is imparting the knowledge, how can any other knowledge be greater than that knowledge? But there is a problem also. If the knowledge is about the Supreme Personality of Godhead and if the Supreme Personality of Godhead is imparting the knowledge, at some point he himself feels quite embarrassed. He considers, for how long am I going to blow my own trumpet? <laughs> so that's why Krishna is hesitating to speak about himself to the fullest extent. 
Therefore, if we want to understand or recognize the Supreme Personality of Godhead to the fullest extent, then we have to let his devotees speak about him. And that is Srimad Bhagavad. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is giving, revealing his identity, but at the same time he is hesitating. He is not really revealing it to the fullest extent. But in Srimad Bhagavatam, his identity has been revealed to the fullest extent. And then, this knowledge is actually pertaining to what is the initial or beginning factor of this knowledge. In Bhagavad Gita, you all have read, those who have read Bhagavad Gita, what is the initial teaching of Bhagavad Gita? Okay. Right. The difference between the body and the soul. Arjuna has been speaking about to Arjuna is reasoning with Krishna why he should fight the battle. And Krishna listened, he didn't say anything. But then when Arjuna submitted himself to Krishna, Shishya Seham Sadhimantan Prapanna. Krishna, I'm surrendering myself to you as your disciple. Please tell me what I should do. I'm completely bewildered. I'm completely confused. I do not know what to do. So in this way, when Arjun submitted himself to Krishna, what was Krishna's first first sentence? Asuchananu sochastvam pragavadam shabhasasi gatasuna gatasunchananu sochanti pandita. Arjun, you are speaking like a wise man, wise man, but you are actually a fool. You are lamenting, oh, you have to kill your grandfather, you have to kill your teacher, you have to kill your cousin, you have to kill your uncle. But on what platform are you talking about? On a bodily platform. To begin with, the body is perishable. So if in exchange of an old body, somebody gets a new body, isn't it a better choice? Isn't it a better option to accept? And besides that, Krishna's main point actually was, Arjun, you have seen, in so many ways we tried to stop this battle. It is not that you are volunteering to come to this battle. You have been forced into this battle. Durjadhan is so stubborn that he is not going to listen to anyone. Even I went with the proposal. Krishna himself went to the proposal to, the, to Durjadhan. Okay, you don't have to give them the entire kingdom. That actually belongs to them. Just give five brothers five villages. But what was Durjodhan's response to that? Without a battle, I'm not going to give them a piece of land the size of a needle, size of the tip of a needle. So this guy, is, this character is completely uh, incorrigible. So why are you so concerned? And those who are siding with him, it is their volition. They decided to fight with, with for, for him and against you. So now that you are, you have come to the battlefield, and now that, and since you are a warrior, your business is to fight. You have been forced into this fight. So why should you retreat on this petty, mundane, moral ground? So that's why Krishna actually responded in that way to Arjuna. 
You're speaking like a wise man, but you don't have the knowledge. And then he started to give the knowledge. Arjun, there was never a time when these kings that have assembled to fight and you and I, there was never a time when we did not exist and there will never be a time when we will not exist. What will change is the body. The person, the soul will continue. He'll simply change the body. And the changing of body is like changing a dress. Now in, in place of an old dress, if you get a new dress, will you lament? Instead of an old dilapidated car, if you get a proposal to get a new car, now who will not accept that proposal? Instead of a run-down house, if you get an option to get a new building, now who will not accept? So that is the real understanding. The difference between the body and the soul. The problem in this material nature, everyone tends to identify himself with his body. But the transcendental knowledge the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita and knowledge of Srimad Bhagavatam actually reminds us that we are not this body, we are a spirit soul. And the spirit soul is a part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And since the spirit soul is a part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the spirit soul's main business should be to become connected to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Like this little finger is a part of my body. When this is connected to the body, it's very valuable. But when it is cut off from the body, does it have any value? Or when it gets cut off, what do we try to do? Don't we try to connect it to the body? We make all kinds of efforts you know, to keep it connected to the body. Because the part, the Purpose of the existence of this part lies in its connection to the whole. So similarly, since we all are the parts and parcels of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the purpose of our existence lies in our connection to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So that should be the ultimate goal of life. And that Srila Prabhupada presented in such a beautiful sentence. It is the most confidential because confidential transcendental knowledge involves understanding the difference between the soul and the body. And the king of all confidential knowledge culminates in devotional service. Devotional service means becoming connected to the Supreme Personality of Godhead through spontaneous love of our heart. So, <clears throat> we can see, Srila Prabhupada, as I was saying, we can open any page of Bhagavad Gita and what a storehouse, what an ocean of information, what an ocean of knowledge. That's why it's very important that we take this book, Bhagavad Gita, very seriously, study it, not just read it, study it. When devotees ask me what is the difference between reading and studying, I say, 
when you are reading with a notebook and pen with, with you and taking notes of all the important parts of what you are reading, that is studying. So please study Bhagavad Gita so seriously in this way and you will see what a difference it will make. I'm sure you are already experiencing it. So please mold your lives according to Srila Prabhupada's instruction. You have already been exposed to Krishna consciousness. So please take it up wholeheartedly and you will see how you will achieve the ultimate perfection and which will lead to endless joy. Thank you all very much. All glories to Shri Gold Premanande. Does anybody have any question? Yes. How has Bhagavad Gita changed your life? How does Bhagavad Gita change my life? Okay, the changing factor actually started uh, with me, uh, with Nectar Devotion. I was searching for a spiritual master. I was out of India and I became exposed, I became not exposed, but interested in uh, uh, Vedic wisdom when I was away from India. So I started to read and I became uh, interested. And then it led to a point when I realized, let me go back to India and pursue the spiritual life. And when I came to India, I knew that I had to find a guru. So I started to search for a guru, but I was totally disappointed. The so-called Sadhus, you know, I, they didn't, at least, they didn't impress me. They didn't impress me to the extent where I could completely surrender myself to them. And then at, a, at some point, I gave up my search, thinking that if at all I have a guru, then let him come and pick me up. I had been trying to find him, but I couldn't find him. If I really have a guru, then let him come and pick me up. And then it so happened in course of time, I got a nectar of devotion. And as I started to read it from the very first page, it, I became aware that this is what I was looking for. And as you asked, like, what was the reaction? The first thing, as I said, from the very, practically from the very first page, I felt that this is what I was looking for. You see, when I was searching for spiritual life at that time in my understanding world, the goal of life is to attain liberation. And when I started to read the nectar of devotion, I became aware that there are five kinds of liberation. And out of them, four are positive and one is negative. And the liberation that I was aspiring for is the negative liberation. <laughs> that is one thing that impressed me very much. <clears throat> Previous to that, I didn't really know what liberation ultimately meant. I was aspiring for it without really knowing what it was. And then the next thing that impressed me was God is a person. And He is Krishna. It came to me with such a tremendous awareness. 
that Krishna, whom I knew all this life, all this while since my childhood, he is actually the Supreme Personality of God. Prior to that, you know, I got mixed up rather more importance. You see, I'm from Bengal, and they're, you know, worshippers of Kali and Durga and all that. And Krishna was kind of, you know, was obscured by Kali, Durga, and other such demigods. But it came to such a wonderful realization, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. And as I kept on reading, like from every single page, it became clear how Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. And then the next thing that, I, that happened to me was like <clears throat> time and time again Prabhupada was reminding of the importance of surrendering to Krishna. And so when I decided to, okay, reading that, you know, it occurred to me that <clears throat> yes, I should surrender myself to Krishna. And when I did that, there was an overwhelming feeling of relief and and joy that from now on I don't have to worry about myself anymore. I'm surrendering to Krishna, who is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the Supreme Creator, who is the Supreme Proprietor, who is the Supreme Maintainer. And if I surrender myself to Him, I don't have to worry about myself anymore. So that came with such a tremendous feeling of, feeling of relief. And in a way, uh, when I look back, you know, I feel that's the first time I actually experienced what peace actually means. The total freedom from anxiety. Anyway, so this was, and then after that I started to read. But the, real, the initial awareness actually came from negative devotion. And, uh, and the thing is that becomes reconfirmed, that awareness becomes reconfirmed time and time again when you read Bhagavad Gita and speak on Bhagavad Gita. Any other question? Yes. <coughs> Who is what? Supreme. Yeah. There's no difference, you see. The original Supreme Personality of Godhead is Krishna. And when he gets involved in material, creation of the material nature, he manifests himself as Vishnu. This Vishnu aspect is in relation to this material creation. As Mahavishnu, he lies in the causal ocean. And due to his breathing, the bubbles that generate, each bubble is actually a universe. Then he enters into each universe as and then he enters in the heart of every living entity as So this, therefore, when you look at from a material point of view, material perspective, from this angle, then Vishnu appears to be very most important. But when you get the proper understanding, then it's Krishna. Okay, that is the general consideration, general identity. Did everybody hear the question? Okay, the first question was, who is superior, Vishnu or Krishna? You got the answer? Yes. Yeah. 
Now, next, next consideration is, then why are we identified as Vaishnavas? So the Vaishnava consideration is a general consideration. But the specific consideration is, because we are devotees of Krishna, then we are, among the Vaishnavas, there is a special sect, special, special group. They are called Kashnas. They are the devotees of Krishna. And in that group also, there is another <laughs> essential group. And that is those who are actually the worshippers of Srimati Radharani. They are called Gauriyas. So our actual identity is we are Gauriyas. And we are worshippers of Srimati Radharani. Yes. <clears throat> we are worshippers of Srimadhi Radharani. Then how come sometimes you know his contemples Radharani's songs are prohibited? Not Radharani's songs are prohibited. The thing is that, you know, Radharani's identity and Radharani's relationship with Krishna is so exalted that unless and until we reach certain height of spiritual elevation, it is better to not delve into that area. Because, you see, I mean, just consider, Radharani's relationship with Krishna can be mistaken so easily as a love affair between a boy and a girl. But is it just a love affair between a boy and a girl? No. It is the highest form of loving relationship. When for the sake of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, his devotee is prepared to give up everything, everything. That is indicated by Radharani's relationship with Krishna. And we are worshippers of Radharani because we are worshippers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna in the mood of Srimati Radharani. So when you are following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then we are actually truly worshipping Srimati Yes. Lately, we report that says that um, this devotional service is joyfully performed. From my experience, that when we go on Harinam, it's not all of the time, but oftentimes we can see that um, it's those who get attracted. Some just strange people from the street. When they join Harinam, they more joyful than devotees participate in Harinam. So, you know, sometimes we can see this, that uh, kind of like when it comes to the actual direct uh, performance that we as in Kirtan movement, and we should show maybe, I mean, not 10 out of 10 or 9 of the 10, I can at least, you know, half, half, um, so that when devotees come Harinam, and they genuinely el elated. So, um, why it's not happening? Yeah, okay. Well, they are those who are newcomers and participating. <coughs> Their situation is like they're having a joyride. <laughs> right? 
So it's easy for them to appreciate it. But the devotee's case often is like somebody who is riding, who is learning to ride a bike. Right? You're, while you are learning to ride the bike, you know, sometimes you get hurt. You, it becomes an effort. <clears throat> it becomes an effort. So that is the difference. Like, you know, because they are practicing to achieve perfection, that's why there is some struggle behind it. So that will be my simple, too simple answer to that question. And if I want to get a little more details into it, then I will say why I'm saying it's a joyride, because they are spontaneously coming into it and experiencing it and enjoying it. But sometimes with devotees, uh, it so happens like devotees are forced to go to Harinam. Because if he doesn't, then the temple president will get on his case. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not spontaneous, rather it is forced. That's why it sometimes because appears to be like, uh, like a struggle and not really appreciating it so much. But the thing is, practice will make one perfect. So the pra practicing, when one achieves perfection, then he will he'll become ecstatic. Then he'll experience such ecstasy that when he'll sing the holy name, he'll desire to have many, many tongues. And when he'll hear the holy name, he would desire to have many, many as if just one tongue and two ears are not enough. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the taste. But should we, as a community of devotees, surrender to this situation? Because how we can actually preach successfully if we cannot consistently show a convincing result of this practice, which is utterly joyful, a causeless jubilation is cheap. Yeah. Well, Prabhupada gives the example of jaundice, right? Like the medicine is sweet, right? Sugar, sugar candy. But the thing is, because of disease, it tastes bitter. So, since we are in the material platform, we are conditioned by the material nature. It's not the disease is not going to be cured overnight. It may take some time. But the point is we should never give up. And that's why the leaders have to push and individually the devotees have to keep on endeavoring. Can you give us uh, maybe any advice how we can, as a group, as a community, improve? Yeah. So as a leader, you motivate everyone to come to Harinam. Right? And, and remind them that how, you know, the benefit of chanting, what actually happens. That as we chant, then Chetos Arpana Martin, as we chant the holy name of the Lord, our consciousness becomes purified. Our suffering condition becomes eradicated. And on top of everything, when Krishna hears himself, we are chanting, Krishna becomes so pleased with us. And as we chant, as, the, as far as the sound vibration is going, to that, that, to that extent, Kali's influence is being warded off. So we have to remind 
the devotees. Why we are changing? So, I mean, along with that awareness, the appreciation will come. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, last question. Or maybe on this side there is any question from Mataji's side. Okay, I'll take two questions from this side. Your let him. Maharaj, uh, as I understand, obviously, as devotees of Krishna, we relish in Krishna's pastimes and participate in them or try to understand, hear about them as much as we can. The pastime of Jula Yatra, I wanted to understand whether there was, uh, other than obviously the pastimes between Radha and Krishna, is there a specific pastime that we celebrate this for? I mean, I understand only yeah, in Vrindavan on, on this particular day. On particular occasion, uh, the devotees make a swing, the residents of the Gopi especially. And they, they derive a great pleasure by swinging Krishna. And Krishna also derives a great pleasure being swung by his That is what the Julan Jatra is. So, why is it only within this con community and not otherwise also? So, you go and tell them to do it. <laughs> tell them what they're missing on. <laughs> Thank you. So there was some question. Yeah, okay. Your question and then Hare Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj, since the knowledge spoken by Krishna is the highest knowledge, there are many verses where he says that this is my opinion. There is no other opinion higher than his. Then why does Krishna? As I said, Krishna is being humble. He's giving us the choice. Okay, this is my opinion. And you uh, you Reason with it and find out whether this is right or not. <coughs> Give him the option. But finally he's saying, Mahame Kamsharam. So that is the final <laughs> Right? So what are you going to do? Very good. You surrendered yourself to Krishna, I can see. When you're wearing the tilak, that means you have surrendered yourself to Krishna. Thank you. Yes, Mataji. Take the mic. Maharaj, can you please explain to us um, a little bit about analoid devotional service and devotional service and how can we attain analoid pure devotional service? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said it yourself. <laughs> pure devotional service. Unalloyed. Alloy means mixture. Unalloyed means that it's not mixed with any other contamination. See, pure, I mean, pure means the substance in its original uh, state. Like, for example, the water may be mixed with gold. Gold may be very precious, but is it pure water? When the water is mixed with gold, is it pure water? No. So, Pure water means just water and nothing else. So similarly, when devotion is just devotion to Krishna and nothing else, that is pure devotion. This has been described in this way, Anna Vilashita Sunnam. Anna Abhilasha. Abhilasha means desire. There is no other desire besides serving Krishna and pleasing. Jnana Karma 
Hare Krishna. Gana, karma. Gana leads to liberation. Karma leads to material enjoyment or material prosperity. So when devotion is not even mixed with the desire for material prosperity or even liberation from material bondage, that devotion which is simply for the sake of expressing our love for Krishna, that is called unalloyed devotion. So devotion can be in two stages. One is mixed devotion and pure devotion. And the mixture in devotion can be of two of can be with two substance. One is desire for material enjoyment. Sometimes people render devotional service for material prosperity or material enjoyment. Sometimes people render devotional service to become liberated from material bondage. When this desire for material enjoyment or even liberation from material bondage is not is free from these two desires, that is pure devotion. Thank you. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, Gold Premanande. So we can end with a little kirtan. Or should we go to the Arati?
Can I get everyone to please give a big round of applause for Maharaj, please? Thank you so much, Maharaj. And we'll pray to Shishi Gornitai and Radha Shamundar, that Radha Golandari, that you please come here more often. It was Maharaj's first time in Perth. And uh, we request Maharaj to please at least come once a year to Perth. As you come to Sydney or Melbourne, please keep Perth in your schedule, please.